while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. As always, Marcus Farrow is here as well, holding down the fort. Um, we're now going to be joined by the president of the New Bedford Police Officers Union. That's Evan Bielski. Um, we've had, we had a very busy weekend here in New Bedford. Um, a lot of big wins by the New Bedford Police Department. A real um, credit to both the chief and, and uh, all the officers, the men and women of the New Bedford Police Department. Uh, good evening, Evan. How are you, sir? Good, good. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for joining us. Yes, anytime. Thank you. So, um, let, let's let's cover a couple things here. First of all, um, it was due to the skill and the training and the motivation of um, the New Bedford Police Department, the particular officers um, up in the North End. You guys had had a um, a call for service to the Funds um, Trampoline Park. Talk a little bit about that, Evan. Yes. Uh, so. I haven't been at work in a few days, so I haven't read that report, but okay. I've, I've heard a little bit about it. Um, I know we got a call there for a gentleman that possibly had a firearm on him. Uh, officers responded. We also had an off-duty officer that was there, I believe, yes. uh, with his family. Um, you know, they responded. They saw the the gentleman in question, uh, and he attempted to discard the firearm, and uh, they were able to place him under arrest after, uh, I believe, he resisted a little bit. So the the difference is, you know, we talked we talked about I talked with a number of city councilors over the weekend, um, and um, you talk about you think about Uvalde as an example. It's a horrible example. Uh, they got a phone call too about a shooter or a potential shooter at that time, um, but they didn't respond, right, uh, or didn't respond in a timely, motivated manner. Your yeah. officers did, all right. They went in there, Hank Turgeon, Officer Marinelli was already in the building, and I don't have the report in front of me, so the, the first um, officer, uh, uh, his name escapes me. Um, Felix. Uh, Felix, that's correct, Officer Felix. So they, they went in, they overtook the suspect, no one was injured. Talk a little bit about the firearm that's involved here. I mean, it was a high-capacity firearm, 13 rounds, um, was in the magazine, uh, it's a lot of rounds if he decided to start uh, using that weapon um, in a place like that also with, with just the amount of people. Um, and you also have to be thinking, like, why is, why is this guy, you know, there carrying a weapon? He's a, he's a criminal, obviously, by his, his, his record. He's on probation currently for stuff just like that, the possession of a firearm. Um, he had a warrant for his arrest. So you have to think about, like, why, yeah, why did he have a firearm on him? Does he have issues with people? So he's, you know, that could have gone bad in so many ways, um, you know, and it, it's just proof of the dedication that our officers have to this city to, to, you don't know what you're walking into. You know, you're just getting called there because a, a, gen, a guy has a firearm. Like, you don't know what the what his intentions are, uh, where he is in a building like that, that size of a building, 
uh, you could be just walking into a trap. So you need to give a lot of credit to those officers to just walk in there and be able to handle that situation um, the way that they did is uh, is outstanding. So I talked to a, um, a, a couple parents about this who, who regularly bring their kids there. Anybody listening to this who has, who has children or grandchildren has probably brought their family there. And um, so someone I know told me there's probably cameras in the place, that they believe there were cameras in there. Um, I, I would hope that if it's if it's at all possible um, that the New Bedford Police or the District Attorney's Office, if there is a videotape of this, could release it because I think I think that um, it's very would be very dramatic video if in fact one exists uh, of the officers disarming this person um, and just how many children were really in the in the location of a loaded firearm. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think so. So we're speaking with Lieutenant Evan Bielski. He is uh, the president of the New Bedford, uh, the New Bedford Police Union. Um, is there? I know there's you know considerations for for ongoing investigations and things like that. But was there any indication that that firearm uh, was intended to be discharged in the um, in inside that uh, that trampoline park? I don't know. I'm unaware of that. Like I said, I haven't read the police report, and I also I. I don't know exactly how the call came in. Um, you know, I don't know who that gentleman was there with, if he was there by himself, if, uh, you know, he was there with friends, who knows. So, yeah, I don't really have any of the details in the background on, you know, what his uh, his intentions were with that. Uh, Lieutenant, in your experience, do, do law-abiding citizens carry a, um, a pistol inside of a plastic bag in their waistband? Uh, no. Okay, thank no, you. Sir. I just want to keep it clean. <laughs> From fingerprints, right? <laughs> um, yes. But Evan, surprisingly, that wasn't the only gun-related incident that your, that your men and women took care of this weekend. Explain the other one. No, I, I believe just uh, several hours later, there was a call from another citizen um, in the south end of the city that they stated they heard gunshots. Um, I believe they gave a description of a gentleman, and our officers responding again. Um very proactively, they found that gentleman. Uh, he ended up running into a house where one officer followed, uh, and he ended up discarding a firearm on, uh, I think, the second floor landing of that house. Um, so, uh, Lieutenant, I, I, I was speaking with uh, former Mayor Lang over the over the weekend, and he said to me that his thoughts was every time the, the New Bedford Police Department takes a firearm off the street, another angel gets its wings, you know, because um, it's very important the damage that those weapons can do. These are not legal weapons. They're not guys in the NRA. They're not people in Gun Owners Action League. These are criminals. And those weapons, because you say the guy just threw the thing on the second landing. Explain that. Yeah. I believe it was found uh, hidden. So I believe he uh, he ran from the police uh and I don't know, the, you know, the exact layout of uh, where he went, but um, they they noticed him on, I believe, the second floor landing of the house. And after placing him in custody uh, in that same area, they found the uh, loaded firearm. So, Lieutenant, one of the things that um, Barry Richard was talking about today, I was on the show with him, um, was the idea of how do you prevent these types of things? Is it is it? Does it make sense for lot places with large gatherings like a funds to maybe have a paid detail of police, uh, you know, on duty? So you have someone there with a weapon, a good person with a weapon, things like that. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's one way. There, there are some places in the city that, you know, do hire detail officers for events with, um, you know, a large number of people. But, but again, it's, it's still tough to, you know, prevent unless you have a policy in place where, 
you know, you have metal detectors and you're going to be searched. You know, for example, if you're going to, uh, uh, you know, to the uh, what Dunkin' Donuts Center, I think has another name now in Providence, to watch a sporting event. Right. Like, you're walking through metal detectors and stuff like that. Like, you know that's their policy. Um, so besides that, you know, you know, having an officer around, they're not going to be uh, patting down every person coming in. We can't. That's not legal anyways. Okay. You know, so it, it is difficult. It would be difficult. Not, not, not only that, you guys are short-staffed as it is, and now they're going to add detailed officers to, to every, you know, every every uh, business that's open in New Bedford at night. Yeah. So, Marcus makes a good yeah. point. Talk about the short-staffing, uh, Lieutenant. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been going on for a while now, obviously. Uh, we've been posting it on our Facebook just to keep everyone aware of the uh, the issues. And, uh, you know, it's it's still an issue to us. Um you know, and, and these are good examples of, you know, things that we can't plan. We can't plan around the fact that, you know, nothing might go on and we might have a great day. We always have to plan around the fact that the worst situation could happen. That's what we, that's that's our job and that's how we plan and train. So to be working on the street with less officers than what we're used to, um, it creates issues where there's areas that are going uncovered. Uh, now officers are required to you know, do more work. They have more responsibilities put on them. Um, the citizens, the level of service that they're expecting sometimes in areas that might go uncovered, it's just not there. Uh, there's a variety of, you know, issues that, that come up with it. Um, and that's why we've had these these manpower, um, you know, numbers in the past of that's how, you know, the city's laid out for us. We have certain areas that have a certain amount of offices and, and that's how it's been, you know. So, um, uh, Lieutenant Bielski, just from looking at the, uh, just from looking at your, you know, the New Bedford Police Union Facebook, uh, I know you like to keep the public aware of the short staffing issues. You also reported um, uh, incidents such as multiple carjackings. Um, it is, you know, it is something that's talked about uh, that the statistically crime has gone down uh the the something that the mayor the chief of police have talked about uh over the last few years it's something that's just generally talked about in, in national discussions what is um you know uh what it, just boots on the ground being a boots on the ground police officer and you know representing the the boots on the ground police officers in the union what do you what is the feeling about the the level of crime in the city right now i believe for most of us um to us, I, I don't know if it ever really feels like crime has gone down. We've been dealing with the same issues for, you know, how, however long we've been working. I've been with the department for 19 years. You know, for 19 years, you know, we've been dealing with shots fired, uh, you know, arresting people with illegal firearms, stabbings, robberies, carjackings. So for us, that's just, it, that's our job. That's what we do. That's what right. we see daily. Sure. Um, so, yeah, there might be times where, yeah, you know, certain things drop. I know when I did first get on the job, um, I believe those first one or two years, we had a high number of uh, homicides in the city. I want to say we reached like double digits um, a few times. And now lately, that's, that's obviously dropped. But, you know, there's different factors that go into that. Good police work, uh, different technology, um, you know, better hospitals, uh, better medical care. It, there's, there's a variety of factors. So, but like I said, for us, um, I don't know. Yeah, I... I we're not into the stats like that. We're not, you know, officers on the street aren't examining the stats every day and looking that over. They're just, they're out there doing their job. And like I said, they're dealing with the, the same violent crime they've, they've always dealt with. Um, you know, there's more dangerous drugs around now, fentanyl. Um, it, it seems like there's more mental health 
issues that we deal with, emotionally disturbed persons. Um, so for us, I, I would say most offices would, they wouldn't be to tell you like, oh yes, crime's down. Evan, I have gotten quite an education since coming here to the radio station and, and listening to the scanner. We have one in the newsroom and I, and I have one at home. You really, and I encourage people to listen to it because you get an incredible sense of what you guys go through every day. I know it's your job and you volunteered for it, but there is a an incredible amount of calls for service uh, all over the city for a variety of things, correct? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. We, we, we stay busy. <laughs> So um, we're speaking with uh, uh, New Bedford Police Lieutenant Evan Bielski. So um, I do want to ask a little bit, just one, just one little part of the uh, the student protest. They had called for the removal of student uh, of school resource officers, just based on some of the comments that uh, now Council Councilor Oliver had. You guys supported Councilor uh, Oliver, Councilor Oliver actually, and we were going to talk. We were going to mention this at at, uh, at some point in the program. Did issue an apology on those statements, but just generally, do you have any? thoughts on the the demand by the students who are protesting to remove school resource officers or the role the school resource officers play in um, the New Bedford public school system? Our school resources, school resource officers have always been awesome. Um, I think if you went to any of the schools and asked any of the students there or any of the, the staff or faculty um, about them, they would tell you that they absolutely love them. I have no doubt that they would say that. Um, they play a huge role in uh, the safety of those schools and, and just uh, the development of the children, too. They're, they're role models to a lot of the children, you know. So our offices are always dedicated to this, to this city and the citizens, and especially the children. Um, so I, I would never agree to remove the SROs from our school. That's, that's always been a huge benefit that we've had, um, that the city has had, and our officers do, uh, do a great job at it. Um, Lieutenant, one of the things that you brought up on your Facebook page is that you got your uh, department has seen the, seen the, uh, the leaving of four more officers. They're going to the, to the Massachusetts State Police Academy. It's very yeah. tough for any, any community to compete with the state police for the, for the opportunities and the pays that involve with becoming a state trooper. But losing four more officers is a big deal. Talk about that. It's, uh, we actually just lost another one today to uh, to another community up, up north near Boston. Wow. Um, yeah, so in, in I believe there's, you know, this I would say there's a couple probably in the pipeline also to go to other communities, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's, our, you know, hiring is, is an issue, obviously. It's tough to hire police officers right now, and there's a variety of reasons for that. Uh, one is, is pay, you know. The pay is not great uh, for a starting police officer. But our biggest issue, um, and I, I will keep saying it, is retention. We have lost, I, this year alone, I, I can't, I don't know now. Now we're up to, or at least at six or seven, I think, to other departments. Um, and we're not losing, we're losing veteran officers too. We've lost, we lost one gentleman this year, had 17 years of experience. Uh, the few that we just lost to the state police, um, two of them had detectives experience. Uh, in our major crimes unit, uh, we're you know we're losing educated officers with with college degrees. Uh, it's it's tough. It, it's retention. We need to be able to retain these officers. They're they're great people. They're uh, an asset to the city, and we need to find ways to do that and, and stop losing them to other other communities. So uh, 
Um, New Bedford Police uh, Union President Lieutenant Evan Bielski, we appreciate you joining us, uh, joining us this evening. Before we let you go, where can people go just to follow more about what's going on with the uh, New Bedford Police Union? Uh, go to our Facebook. We're, we're trying to stay pretty active with our Facebook. We do have a, uh, you know, a website also, um, but just the Facebook is uh, where it's at right now for us. Thanks for joining us. We Thank you so much. It. Appreciate it, Lieutenant. Thank you. We got. I always do that. I I hung up. I think in the middle of him saying uh, bye. Bye. I'll do yeah. it for him. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I gotta. Uh, we we'll gotta, take a break. Yeah, we gotta take a break. UBSN. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow, and I'm Chris McCarthy, and uh, and we're the hosts. So we want to thank uh, Lieutenant Evan Bielski from the New Bedford Police Department. Um, yeah, and, and through him, his officers, Officer Felix, Officer, Tur Officer Turgeon, and uh, Officer Marinelli. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who really they ran to the danger. I mean, you got to understand, folks. Again, they ran to the danger. Which is the difference between them, as I said, right after we saw that horror show in Memphis, Marcus, right? And we talked about it's about culture, it's about individual officers, it's about motivation, it's about training. If you saw, you, we all saw what happened in Uvalde, Texas. A good citizen called them too that time. Yeah. Right? But they did the wrong thing. They didn't run to the danger, they hid outside. So, to that end, speaking of running into the danger, um, I spoke with... Uh, Fire Union President in Fairhaven, Kevin yes. Gonzalez. You have an excellent piece up on WBSM.com. Yeah, you can. You guys can check it out. Um, I'm, we're going to have Kevin on this week. Um, I've known Kevin since I was five years old, actually. He's a great guy. And so he we we spoke about the staffing issues for the Fairhaven Fire Department. And this was actually alerted to me by a caller, um, John from Fairhaven, who typically calls me with some constituent issues for the BPW. Right. And uh, he... He alerted me to this, the Facebook post um, from the local, you know, 1555. And so I was like, well, I know the union president. I'm going to shoot him a text. And then we spoke. And so the staffing issue uh, is suboptimal, to say the least. Yes. Okay. So currently they are at six firefighters per shift. There's going, there's some new recruits that are being brought in that will bring it to seven per shift by july 1st they're hoping the problem is they commissioned a manpower study and the optimal levels based on and this is based on their call volume their you know policies procedures all of that uh the population of the town optimal staffing levels is 14 per shift okay so they're hoping to get to half of what their optimal level is now the reason that they um, sounded the alarm in this particular situation is that they responded to a fire on Main Street and there were three apparatuses, um, three pieces of apparatus, apparatuses, apparatus, apparati. <laughs> there were three pieces of it. You're the doctor of law. It's true. Um, there are three pieces of, um, of, of apparatus. That's how they described it. Three pieces of apparatus that showed up. One firefighter on each of them. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because... Uh, it's what, dangerous. It's very dangerous because what Kevin told me is that um, optimal levels based from the uh, NFPA, the National Fire, uh, National Fire Protection Association, yes. the optimal levels 
are four, but most departments or many departments operate with three. Okay. The reason why there has to be more than one person is because each person has a designated task. Absolutely. For the initial attack, right? right? And so the initial attack, I'm sure people can intuitively know, you know, just think of what the initial attack is. It's when you first arrive on scene, you get to the fire, right? right? And it's the most important part because, you know, as Kevin told me, fires double double in size every 30 seconds. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, so it can really get away from you. So um, they're looking for, uh, so having, you know, they, they understand and appreciate that there's, you know, call firefighters and all of that that are part of, of, of the effort to, to get a fire out. But he said that there, need, there still needs to be fully staffed people for the initial attack. It's the most important part. He said if you don't have an extinguishing agent, if you're not doing an initial attack right away, then it's really the fire can get away from you. And he also said, talking about running into the danger, he said, we're fi- this quote really stuck with me. He's like, we're firefighters. Um, when we get there, we're not going to wait for three people. We're going to go do something right. about it. That's correct. So they had in that in that on Main Street that that fire that got out of, that got out of hand or that they were short staffed for. There was a lieutenant that had to make an initial breach by himself with what they 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 thought there may have been. Um, uh, people in need of rescue. Sure, of course. They yeah. don't know. <laughs> right. And so in that situation, they needed mutual aid, which is when other departments, for people to know, which is when other departments come and uh, from other towns and come and help you out. They needed mutual aid. They had Mattapoiset bring a truck to cover the station. They had New Bedford come and, and help them init- uh, with the with the, uh, with the the fire. And uh, Akushnet sent an ambulance because a police officer had had glass fall on him. Right. So he'd got sustained an injury from falling glass. So they needed, you know, what he said is they're basically, you know, trying to staff a department right now with off duty and call firefighters, which isn't tenable. Right. And he talked about the importance of getting the staff for the initial attack. So what the fire chief is asking for, what the union is asking for is a compromise of nine per shift. Okay. And he said, if you can get to nine per shift, it can make those situations tenable where they can have a, you know, a, a better staffed uh, apparatuses uh, for the initial attack. And the, the other thing they need is for they have firefighters doing the dispatch, which isn't necessary and a waste of manpower. Right. If you pull if you add that those sh- if you add those guys to the shift and you make a civilian dispatch or regionalize the function of dispatch, then it'll be a situation where it's a lot more tenable. They have a lot more um, manpower to to um, uh, apply to these fires. So, Marcus, um, you've got a lot more about this on the piece at WBSM.com. Yeah, you should check it out. Do you do you get the sense that the fire chief and the union are working in concert here? Um, that there's some harmony there? That they all want to get to the solution? Well, well, well so he, here's what he told me. And, you know, to, 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 to compliment uh, Chief Cree, I didn't get a chance to talk to him for the story. I, I did reach out to the select board and the town administrator, but... Um, to the compliment of uh, Chief Korea, he, he spoke before us in the Commission of Disability. I'm the chairperson of the Commission of Disability in Fairhaven. And uh, when do you sleep? I don't. I really don't. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> don't sleep. It's yeah. it's so bad. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, so uh, I think he's great. He's he's fantastic. He, well, that's why I say. I, I mean, I think that there's they're all rowing in the same direction, right? Yeah. Well, what he said was um, he's been what, what what Kevin told me is that the chief has been advocating in front of the select board for 
nine-person shifts as well. So they feel like as though it's not optimal, but it's a compromise and one that can make these situations a lot more tenable. And what and what uh, Kevin said was, at the very least, let's get a plan, yes. right? Let's put, if we can tell our firefighters right now, okay, you'll we'll get up to eight next year, nine the following year, or in two years we'll have eight, or next year we'll have nine, right? right? Then at least because they're they're losing they're, they're having a similar issue to, to New Bedford. No, I was going to say that, Marcus. <laughs> I, I was I could, I could sense what you were going to say is that you've got to keep people motivated. Yes, and you've got to let them know that you recognize a problem, but you're working to a solution. Yes, and so he's you know it's always a matter of with this with this these issues is is available funds yeah. municipal funds. And so he said, you know, a, a few things. They commissioned a feasibility study. Um, they feel as though that there could be money freed up in the existing budget, but there's also other options. There's federal, uh, there's federal grants, like a safer grant that could be pursued. Uh, there also is um, what they had proposed is an override to Prop 2.5. Now, uh, an override, just more generally, and I'm going to let you talk about this more because you were a selectman. Mm-hmm. You, you probably you have a lot more experience with this than I do. But an override to 2.5 is essentially an authorization from the from the from by the town to override the state law that says municipal taxes can't exceed to an annual increase of 2.5%. So... There, but there's a few ways that can be approached. So the, it, it really is the, the total levy limit. Your, your taxes could go up more than 2.5%, but the overall levy limit. So, cause there That's are, what it is. Yeah, there's yeah. technicalities involved. It's a very, I think it's an interesting subject, but it, but it can be rather dry. Um, the reality of it is, is that it's not as bad or as drastic as long as you know what the money is going to be spent for. Yeah. And that the money makes sense. Um, so as long as the municipality puts on a good presentation, that people believe the town is spending the money in their best interest, you know, and it's not frivolously being spent. Generally speaking, the town will go along with it. Yeah. Now, you've got to lay out exactly what it is you want, and it's got to be... The numbers I've heard are relatively conservative as far as what the increase would be um, yeah. per, per household. Per households, what, what what I was told is that it would be fewer than $2 per week per household. So, you know, less half a cu- half of a, a small cup of coffee would basically per week. So that's what it would cost you um, for. Uh, so about 50 some odd dollars per year right. um, to, to have a better staffed fire department. And there is a... Uh, that seems like a very reasonable amount of money, but look, how many cups of coffee are people going to be asked to buy, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's always the answer. Yeah, right. And what I would say is that as long as the fire department and, and the chief and and, the, and they lay it out, I think most people in the town of Freetown would support that. Fairhaven. I'm sorry. <laughs> Talking about my old town <laughs> yeah. as opposed to... Actually, all, actually, my first town was always Fairhaven. My parents brought me back from the hospital to Wilbur's Point. But anyway. Oh. Yes. The um, It was a cocktail party. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it was summer. So, but my, my point is, is that the fire department gives excellent service. And they all, they're only called when someone's... A, it, life is in danger. Yes. Right? And I know personally because one of them saved me. Right. And I've been brought to the hospital twice by the fire department. Oh, yeah. Once 
when I had COVID and once when I had no more kidneys. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, for one, am, am a good spokesperson for the for the frequent flyer club. Right. Yeah. You don't want to be part of it, but you're really happy when they take you. Right. When yeah. they're there with the answer. Otherwise, Absolutely. I would be dead. Right. That that's the reality of it. Yeah. And I'm not the only person who is alive today because of firefighters. Right. And My father out in Freetown was brought back to life and saved because of the fire department. Right. And got five more years of his life. Five more years with us. There are many people out there. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Look, it's often hard for me to make a case for a new town library, things like that. But when you're talking about making sure you have enough people on duty to save my life or your life. Yeah. It's really not a matter of the calculator, is it? No. Right? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, because that extra cup of coffee you have to give up every week to pay for the firefighter who saved you to, to give you the ability to buy a cup of coffee for the rest of your life. I mean, right. that's what we're talking about. Um, but again, you want to make sure you have all the numbers and, and a sober case for it. And, 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 and to that end, uh, I just wanted to, you know, just mention the fact that uh, I reached out to all five members of the select board. Uh, they declined to comment for the reason that they're in, it's an ongoing contract situation. I they don't that. want to talk about it. Uh, I spoke with Angie, um, Angie uh, Lopes Ellison, who's the town administrator, who's in her first year, I think, really done a fantastic job. Uh, but she is, she said the same thing. She can't comment on that generally, but her, you know, her position in town administrator, she's, she's you know, concerned with the staffing in all departments and it's something that they've got to work towards. So, um, you know, so the, on the record, that's what I got from them. But again, they're, they're sort of, they're, you know, their hands are tied in terms of what they can say publicly. Their lips are sealed, if you will. Yes. For the time being. <laughs> yeah, let's take a break and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Would you like to say... I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go, but I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there, providing hot meals, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. To learn more, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Our connections make powerful things happen, uniting individuals and communities. We are Rotary. We are people of action. With over 1 million members, we know what people can do when they come together. Around the world, generations of leaders build new friendships and solve problems, turning great ideas into reality. Take action with us. Find out more at rotary.org slash action. This message is for Karina, our mom who finished her high school diploma at age 28. Hi, Mom. It's Amethyst and Nicholas. Congratulations on getting your diploma. You worked so hard and have taught us so much. We love you. When you graduate, they graduate. Finish your high school diploma for you and for them. Visit finishyourdiploma.org to find free and supportive adult education centers near you. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 
What's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Real-time reaction to everything that happens after the sun goes down. South Coast Tonight with Marcus and Chris is on WBSM. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. He's and I'm Chris. Uh, 508-996-0500 so you can join us. We're just, uh, again, go check that out on WBSM.com. I think it's really important, uh, the free and firefighter staffing levels, um, uh, the union is unhappy with it. They feel like it's a public safety issue. They cited a specific example in which you had one person per truck, and that's just, I don't think, ever attainable. Just just intuitively, right? You it, know, it's not attainable. It's bad for the residents. It's bad for the for the, for the staff. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we're, we're going to have union president Kevin Gonzalez on this week uh, to, to, to talk more to talk more about that issue, because um, I think it's really important. We know we have a lot of you out there in Fairhaven that are, are listening and concerned. And that, that's actually how I was heard about the stories are, are a great um, civically engaged audience. So what I would say is that keep an open mind, get the information. It's incumbent upon the, the, the elected members of, of the town to make the case. Well, one so, way or the other. So, so that's a that's a question, um, Chris. Is so uh, a a a two and a half override? Would that necessarily be a referendum, or would that be town meeting? So it would it would have to be a ballot initiative. Okay. It, it, so you would vote on it. Um. In all likelihood, you would do it in in a fall election. You could possibly do it at a town election. Yeah. Um. But you'd like to get the most amount of vote as possible yeah. to turn out. Or and not. you want to have um, a long runway, okay, yeah. so that you can make make your case and so that people go into it. Uh, my experience is that if you make a good case, a knowledgeable case, let both sides go back and forth, you're going to get to the right decision. Yeah. Okay. Um, MBTA ballot question, I think is a good example of that. Right. Yeah. Um People want to know, they understand they have to pay taxes. Yeah. It's part of a civilized society. Right. They want to know that what they're paying is being used properly. Yes. Right? Exactly. People understand that you can't staff for every emergency, but you can't staff as if there's not going to be emergencies. Right. Right? Um, as Lieutenant Bielski just mentioned, you know, you can't staff for every possible thing. Otherwise... You'd have everybody on duty all the time, right? Because <laughs> yeah, right. all hell could really break loose, but generally it doesn't. Yes. Right? Um, and the only time you don't think you need firefighters is when you go, my house is never caught on fire. But you realize it could. My house caught on fire. Well, of course, it happens. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was a kid over here, um, uh, off when I lived off the neck with... Uh, our, our laundry room caught on fire, and uh, it could have been bad. It could have uh, been really bad. But it wasn't. It wasn't, know? right? Um, but it could have been really bad. And and the only time you don't think you need ambulances is, up, or you don't think about it, that's that's the nice thing about firefighters, police, yeah. EMS, is you don't ever think about them. You know why? Because they're always there. I remember you had a really robust conversation about... Um, uh, the EMS and availability of EMS in, right. in, in the in the area, actually, it, back it, uh, a few it, years ago. A few years ago, right? Because yeah. 
Some communities, in my opinion, weren't pulling their weight. All right. So, so yeah, uh, Jared Valenzola, who's been a guest host on this show, uh, is a Plymouth County commissioner. He said it has to go to town meeting, then a ballot. Both must be done, which I think, yes. 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 So So, um, the reason that we don't think about police, we don't think about fire, we don't think about EMS, because generally, thank God, you usually don't ever need them. Yes. But they're waiting in abeyance. Yeah. We need them. That's the reason. We, if, if if we didn't have police, we boy, we'd be thinking about them all the time. <laughs> if we didn't have firefighters and EMS, we'd be thinking about it all the time. Right. So, so the fact of the matter is, is that the elected officials are going to have to make a case. Yeah. If you give the people enough time and enough information and a long enough runway to come to a decision, the last thing you want to do is say we need it. If you don't do it, all hell's going to break loose, and you got three months to think about it. You know what I mean? You really need to give them enough of a runway. So um, 508-996-0500 is how you get, get, get on the program. I w- do want to just, you know, before we forget, draw your attention to a story that Tim Weisberg put out on WBSM.com. You can read more about it if you want to see the complete statement. But uh, Sean Oliver had issued a statement on the, the, the discussion around memes, the protests, and all of that. He issued a statement, um, I think, very conciliatory. So you can go to WBSM.com or Fum107.com, whichever tickles your fancy, and you can check it out and read more about that. Tim uh, Tim did a good job putting that story together. He put it together pretty quickly, too. So uh, go check that out. Uh, you heard it here first. So um, 508-996-0500. Let's take a break. 14, 12. You saw a movie on Barry Seal. Yes. Uh, tell us who Barry... I, I saw the movie, too, a, a while back when it came out. Um, tell us who Barry Seal is. So Barry Seal was a was a was a, a very talented airline pilot who ended up working for the Central Intelligence Agency, flying a lot of guns to to uh, Nicaragua, mm-hmm. um, to to the uh, to the uh, Contras, and um, also flying back plane loads of drugs. Yeah, and he had a, an airport in Mina, Arkansas. Um, for, out of that have grown a lot of conspiracy theories about the Bush presidency, the first Bush. Uh, President Clinton, um, and unfortunately, Barry Seal um, ended up on the wrong end of a gun yes. in New Orleans. Uh, yeah, they uh, they shot him outside the federal yeah. court. You'd be surprised to know, <laughs> right, <laughs> that a CIA asset met an untimely divide uh, demise. <laughs> yes, so yes. Uh, yeah, it was it's a good re- movie though with Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. He's a great actor. They they did. He's a really good actor. They did make up. I, I read some other reviews of it. Um, he said a lot of the action scenes are actually made up. Yeah, you got to do that. Did, yeah, that he didn't really do that. He, even a life as exciting as Barry Seals is too boring for cinema. Right, yeah. right. But that, they did feel a lot of the political stuff was fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend the movie. I think it's, for me anyway, it was free on my app. Uh, my, my system. American Made is the, is the, the, mo- is yeah, the movie. I didn't, I saw it when it came out. I want to say like 2015 or around there. It came right. out some years ago. But yeah, it's a really good movie. So check that out. Tom Cruise is a good pilot. Yeah, he, he is. He's so, actually a good pilot. Yes. That's a real thing. Uh, you see Top Gun too? I haven't seen it yet, oh, but I understand it's fantastic. Cinematic masterpiece. So I listened to a podcast with the guys from National Review, and they said it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They really, I mean, really, and I know some people credit it with bringing cinema back a little bit. Yeah, it, right? it is. It's like, it, that. that's, it's like 
movie magic. It is really, it, it really, it, 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 it is a reason to go to the movies for sure, to have seen that movie. We saw, I saw it with my friends in, uh, in IMAX. It's good. It delivers too. Like if you see the first Top Gun, I mean, I'll just spoil the beginning. The, the opening uh, song for the show, uh, for the, for the Top Gun 2 is Danger Zone. They're just going to like, here it is. It's right, right here. You right. want to hear Danger Zone? Here's Danger Zone. So that, that is a, that is a great movie. And it does kind of talk about, you know, how people like Tom Cruise or the, um, uh, Maverick are basically, you know, American myths at this point because everything's moving towards drone technology and right. all of that and automation and all that. It's, it's really, it's, it's an excellent movie. So you should see that. So Marcus, um, if everything goes according to schedule in the next hour, we'll be joined by Jared Tillinghast. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you folks remember his dad, uh, Jerry Tillinghast, who was a friend of the show who used to come in quite a bit mm-hmm. um, when the state of Rhode Island would let him on parole or run yes. him on probation because he was on lifetime parole. He was a very famous uh, member of the patriarchal crime family. Uh, Jared is 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 guy professional boxer, and he's got a new reality TV show deal. It's likely to come about. Um, Providence Journal did had a front page story on it yesterday in the Sunday paper. Channel Six had a story about it as well. But Jared's going to join us in the next hour to talk about this new project he's working on and a potential reality TV show. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, and uh, just to preview uh, some of the stuff we got coming up because we've got such a crazy week coming up tomorrow. I have uh, Auditor Desaglio. Uh, is going to be joining us, Diana DeZaglio, to talk about what she's got going on. Uh, you know, you heard from her when she was a candidate for office. Now she's the state auditor. Uh, Eight o'clock, we're going to have a uh, uh, New Bedford City Councilor who's going to, I think, talk about a major conversation that we're going to have going forward, uh, Shane Burgo. Um, then we're going to uh, speak with Chris Hendricks on uh, to talk about the Tabor Mill incident, yes. actually. And you're going to want to listen to that. Absolutely. Because it's really pivotal to, to what's going on, you know, when the, the voters at Tabor Mill lost their precinct and all that, and that's in Chris's ward, so he's, he wants to talk about it. And uh, we're going to have... And he's not taking any prisoners, I understand. Yeah, no, he yes, exactly. And uh, so, obviously, we're going to have um, Kevin Gonzalez from the fire union at some point this week as well. Thursday, Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro is going to give an update on his the suicide prevention initiatives that they have going on. So, that's going to be important. And then Friday, we usually have a really good Friday show with a great Friday guest, which... Um, you'll want to tune in for. So just wanted to give everybody a heads up on the fantastic programming that we have this week. It's honestly, in terms of booking this show, I typically go as the current events of the week go. Absolutely. <laughs> and yep. so right. it's it's not actually, it's it's kind of rare to have the entire week booked on a Monday. It is, it is. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually uh, pretty excited about it. It's one less thing that I have to think about, you know. Um, so Typically, it's like the sort of Damocles. Who are you going to have on tonight? But sometimes we drive home. We, yeah, we, we plan the next show. Yeah, that's right? exactly. So. Yeah, because you know we're 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 a current events show, so we've got to go with the with the with the current events. Yeah, so. you really can't plan in and hope everything falls in line. No, right? Yeah. People aren't responsive like that. Yeah, this is an NPR. We don't have like this planned, you know, long form no. policy. Policy.